This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDBE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Prezuda and Matt Williamson. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Steelers Preview. I'm Mike Prasuda along with Matt Williamson. We're here until 8 o'clock tonight on your flagship home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE and on SNR. We're getting you ready for the Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday at Heinz Field. The club in the Commonwealth. We will be joined, as always, by Merrill Hodge this hour. And we'll also talk with Dave Spadaro, who works for Eagles.com, and get a little Philadelphia perspective on things. Uh, but Matt, uh, before we get uh, too far into any details relative to Steelers, Eagles, or some of the developing stories around the NFL related to the COVID-19 pandemic, I got to tell you, uh, I'm looking at this game and I feel like I've seen it before. There are a lot of things to talk about, but the, probably the biggest thing to talk about is the Eagles are cobbling together an offensive line with an Australian rugby player at left tackle, and the Steelers have a really good front seven. I, I feel like it's last year and we're talking about Steelers Chargers. I feel like it's any year we're talking about Steelers Bengals. I, I just think this is a matchup Philadelphia can't win, that offensive-defensive trench battle between the Philly O-line and uh, T.J. Watt and company. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, the I'm sure we'll get into it at some point, but the Eagles D-line is no group of slouches either. But I'm not sure that there's a bigger mismatch, let alone in this game, but in this week of action than the Steelers' front five versus their front five. I mean, they really have what I would say is one-and-a-half starters right now. Kelsey, the center, and Lane Johnson when he's in there, which is sometimes, and he's on a bum wheel, and everybody else are pretty much replacement-level guys. And it's not like they have a slew of dangerous weapons that you're afraid of either that could help complement that. Or it's it's a real struggle right now for the for the, the Eagles offense, but especially their front five, which is you know the crux of it all. Yeah, the uh, practice report stuff from today, uh, no Marcus Allen foot and no Derek Watt. Hamstring for the second consecutive day for the Steelers. Mike Tomlin had said on Tuesday that the Steelers were going to let participation be their guide and uh, sounded optimistic about Allen and Watt, but it doesn't look as if either one of those guys is going to be available. T.J. Watt did not practice today, uh, showed up on the uh, practice report with a knee injury, but uh, DNP to me suggested it's something minor as opposed to limited, which would have meant that he started and then got hurt in practice. So, uh, not too worried about T.J. Watt uh, for the time being, at least. Uh, the Philadelphia injury uh, participation stories, much more intriguing. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, a uh, wide receiver who's been out, didn't practice today because of an illness. Also, cornerback Avante Maddox, uh, the former Pitt player, did not practice because of an ankle. Uh, limited were wide receiver Deshaun Jackson hamstring. Uh, you mentioned Lane Johnson's been fighting that bum ankle. I think he played... 60% of the snaps on Sunday night in San Francisco. And when he wasn't playing, they went with a rookie, Jack Driscoll, who started the opener this year. And then after the Eagles gave up eight sacks to Washington, the Eagles decided they weren't starting Jack Driscoll anymore. <laughs> right. Also, safe, safety Rodney McLeod, hamstring was limited. Uh, he's a key guy in that secondary. Full participation uh, for several guys who uh, had been less than that prior to today for various reasons. But... Uh, Matt, to you, the point you made a moment ago, even if they get Jeffrey and Jackson back, and that's a big if, 
I mean, those guys would certainly help in terms of giving Carson Wentz somebody to throw to that he actually has a fair idea where they might be and whether or not they might catch it. He, the protection is such. I mentioned eight sacks in that opener against the Redskins, and since then it's been play-action bootleg, Carson Wentz running for his life, Carson Wentz carrying the ball himself or trying read options. They've started to sprinkle in Jalen Hurts with some uh, gadgety type stuff uh, three or four times a game. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of drop back and survey the field and go through the progressions for Carson Wentz on Sunday. No, you're right. I mean, there was a lot of rollouts and things like that, but there's nowhere to roll against this defense. And even then against the Niners and some of these other teams they've faced, it's just gasping, uh, grasping at straws, you know, just anything we can try to do to give Carson a chance to succeed and then he's pressing and he's fallen into some bad habits as well. And, you know, the offseason, this team went out of their way to go get speed at the wide receiver position, drafting Jalen Rager, making a, a lot of moves, and none of them are working out because of injuries too. So this is kind of where they were a year ago, but the line's a lot worse. And you don't have Dallas Goddard either, who was a big part of the offense a year ago, the heavy emphasis on double tight end sets, which – also made you slow. I mean, there's not much big play ability, big playability. There's not much protection. And I know everyone wants to blame Wentz, and he certainly deserves his share of it, but it's an unwinnable situation for him. I thought he played pretty well last week. I thought he was great against the 49ers. Yeah. I really did. Just in terms of the degree of difficulty, uh, he knew he wasn't going to have any time back there. Uh, he's unsure, you know, when he throws the ball, what's going to happen on the other end of it. He's running for his life. He's getting knocked down. He kept picking himself up. I thought he almost willed that team to victory as much as you can do for a team that ended up, uh, I think they got 18 points and then a pick six uh, to make it 25. But uh, just a little perspective for you uh, in, in terms of what the Eagles are missing. It's, it's you know, not just who's in there now. It's what they don't have. And, and think about their counterparts for the Steelers. Uh, how, how would you feel about the Steelers going into a game without Alejandro Villanueva, Dave DeCastro, Matt Filer, Chase Claypool, Joe Hayden, Vince Williams, Stefan Tuitt, uh, Chukwuma Akur for uh, coming in and then going out and then coming in and then going out and not knowing whether you're going to have Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Deontay Johnson available. Yeah, you could probably throw Ebron or McDonald in there as the Goddard, too. I mean, there's, and there might yeah, be more. Pro- I mean, there's a lot of receivers, too. But you're right. That's a great way of putting it into perspective of exactly what this team is missing. You know, I've been talking about it a lot this week that this is a smart organization. Although, this is, here's a little nugget for you. The Eagles have a losing record since winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it's not like they've been a dominant team the last year or two. Things have gone a little astray for this organization. But they are really big men focused. You know, we'll talk about their D-line, but it goes like seven or eight deep. And they have a lot of resources in that in that group their offensive line, when it's right, and you go Lane Johnson, Brooks, Kelsey, uh, the first-round pick last year, Dillard, who was kind of a luxury item, and they would kill to have that guy now. They have a lot invested in their big people, but the offensive side has just been – it's just unfortunate. They're just getting crushed by injuries, and you mentioned all the other ones too. I mean, they got things like, like Mills, the corner for them. He's okay, but he's a slower corner. Well, this offseason, they got to the point where he could move to safety. But now with a couple injuries, he's back at corner. Back where he's the corner. Yeah. Right, you know? 
You know, and it's the guys that are mid, they got a pretty good offensive line, either on reserve injured or PUP. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about ta- tackle Andre Dillard, who was a first rounder last year, uh, Jason Peters, who's a two time first team all pro, Isaac Siamalo, who uh, was a, a guard on their Super Bowl winning team, Brandon Brooks, who was a guard on their Super Bowl winning team. Uh, Kelsey's great. Uh, Johnson's great when he's healthy, but he's not. Mm hmm. And uh, my gosh, Matt, what would happen to them if they have some more injuries, which is always a possibility. I mean, Absolutely. You know, like you mentioned Driscoll, who's been playing a lot. Well, he was a mid-round pick that has some upside that might be a tackle, probably will be a guard if he's to make it in the league. You know, okay. He, he, we're never going to see that guy. We'll just, you know, he's, he's down the line. We're, we're pretty set at the offensive line. Well, that plan gets scrapped. And, you know, they're, they're playing an offensive tackle who started – his first game last year, last week. And when I say his first game, not his first NFL start, his first start of ever playing football as a sport was last week. You're talking about Jordan uh, Melata, the yeah. uh, six foot eight, 346 uh, Australian who's a former rugby player. This guy's backstory is fascinating. He's part of the NFL International Player Pathway. And, uh, you know, they're trying to get the world involved. And they're also looking for six, eight guys who weigh 346 pounds who can actually do some athletic things. And the NFL thinks it might be able to teach these guys how to play football. And hey, maybe Jordan Melotta is going to go on to be a great player. But as you mentioned, first career start last week against the Niners, actually this week, last Sunday night. And doing a little research on him, uh, there was a story about him in the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, and it talked about. Uh, his time at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, when they were working him out and training him and trying to see if he could develop into a draftable prospect, which he eventually did. He was so inexperienced with the helmet, Matt, (laughs) that he tried to take a drink while he was still wearing it and ended up dousing water all over his face mask. (laughs) I didn't hear that story, but... Yeah, he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't hip is. to the fact he got to take it off and then take a drink and then put the helmet back on. Uh, according to his Wikipedia, which, you know, take that for what it's worth, he was so non-football savvy when they first talked him into this, they asked him what position he wanted to play, and he said left tackle because he had seen the movie The Blind Side and he didn't know too many other positions. <laughs> i tell you what he do. That's great. I mean, honestly. Playing left tackle. Maybe maybe Steeler fans don't remember Cortland Scotland Williamson, but it was the same type of deal. He was a big rugby player. It would almost be like, here, you're at minicamp. Now you're our starting tight end right now, and you know nothing, but you don't have to block Bud Dupree for 60 snaps. You know? Crazy. Now, he's been around for a year. He was a draft pick last year, mm-hmm. got hurt, spent a lot of time on IR. He's been in the organization. But, again, no offseason this year, no no OTAs, not, not all of those things the mini camps and the stuff that gets these raw guys better. Uh, boy, I don't know. That's uh, putting that guy against Bud Dupree. Oh man. I, I can't see that working. That, to your point, Philadelphia's defensive line is outstanding. It is. And uh, those guys can wreck the game too, but the Steelers have an offensive line that they think will at least hold its own with the Philadelphia defense. line. I think that'll be a great battle. That'll be the most fun aspect of this game to me, at least is when the Steelers have the ball, just kind of putting the binoculars on the trenches and seeing who does what and, and how often. But I, I think the Steelers can at least push that matchup. I can't see the Eagles blocking the Steelers very often. Right. I mean, like, just on paper, you give the edge to the Eagles front over the Steelers front when Pittsburgh has the ball. 
Okay, but it's not by leaps and bounds. It's not, you know, JV versus varsity. On the other side, it's by leaps and bounds. I mean, with the exception of Kelsey, all four of those guys are far, far lesser players than the people blocking them. And I'm going to even include Lane Johnson on that on one leg because, you know, the beauty of Lane Johnson is he runs a 4-8 at the combine and can really be an athlete. And, you know, even yeah. dealing with – How's he run with a bad ankle? Right, right, exactly. I mean, a real bad one that he probably shouldn't be out there with. He just is because so desperate. And even how's his base going to deal with TJ's, you know, bull rush? And it's like playing on one leg, you know. So it's a massive situation. And, and you're right. I mean, the thing that probably worries me the most from a Steeler perspective is the Eagles' defensive front. Yeah, and I'll throw one other, uh, you know, dynamic into the mix here. And uh, I I appreciate uh, the stat you just gave about the Eagles having a losing record since they won the Super Bowl. But they did win the Super Bowl at the end of the 2017 season. And I think this is a winning organization because of that. It's a winning head coach, uh, competitive players. I saw a lot of compete in that San Francisco game. Yeah. And it's still early in the season. Uh, recall uh, David DeCastro saying either just before training camp started or early in training camp that last year the Steelers kind of lost confidence. And, they, you know, they, they sort of – he didn't say they threw in the towel, but they kind of did because they saw – you know, the writing on the wall, the longer they went playing without Ben Roethlisberger. The Eagles aren't there yet. They're one, two, and one, but they're in first place in their division. They know they're in a bad division. They know they're in a winnable division, and it's still really early. And guess what? They've won one game, but Matt, they're unbeaten in two straight. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And you're 100% right. I mean, this isn't the Giants or the Redskins that's an organization that's learning how to win and has really been down for a while. It's a very strong organization from ownership all the way down. They do things the right way. They're very analytically based. I think Wentz is a really good quarterback and just isn't playing like it right now. And he, you know, he left it all out there, as you mentioned, too. And you're right. They have a lot of life. It doesn't matter what their record is. They're still winning their division. They're used to winning football games there. And that's a different beast than, you know, the, the Redskins or Washington and the Giants and teams like that. Yeah, if it was late November and they were three and nine or whatever, mm -hmm. it'd be it'd be a little bit of a different story. But I, I think you're going to get a lot of fight out of this team now. Uh, the Steelers can certainly convince the Eagles that uh, the fight is not worthwhile if they could jump on them early and pound them a little bit and kind of show them early that it's going to be a long day. But uh, this is the kind of team. I think the longer you let it hang around, uh, the more you're playing with fire. Uh, we'll see uh, what the Steelers think starting on Sunday afternoon and uh, how they respond particularly early. Uh, that's going to do it for our opening segment. We've got a lot to get to tonight before we call it a night at 8 o'clock. When we return, we will be joined by uh, a guy I've known for a long time who's uh, worked out of Philadelphia for a long time, Dave Spadaro of Eagles.com. He'll give us some insights on what's happening in Philly, and then we'll hear from our uh, weekly regular Merrill Hodge, who uh, is always bringing it at this time of the night when we're getting ready for a Steelers game. So keep it right here with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Persuda. You are listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Persuda along with Matt Williamson. This is Steelers Preview. We're with you tonight. Until 8 o'clock right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Time now to uh, check out what's been happening 
on the other side of the Commonwealth. Then we welcome our next guest, Dave Spadaro of Eagles.com. And uh, I want to introduce Dave by pointing out that not a lot of people were picking the Eagles to go into San Francisco and win last week. They were nine point underdogs on Sunday night at the 49ers. But uh, Dave uh, predicted uh, good things. And before you say, well, it's just a guy working for the team website. What's he going to say? Of course, he's going to say they're going to win. The reasoning was spot on, Dave. You talked about run and stop the run. And you talked about the fight you expected from a championship caliber organization. Check, check, and check. Who's going to win this week? Yeah, I mean, well, look, I, I think the Steelers are a much different football team than San Francisco. And you're right. Like, I didn't see the, the fight from the Eagles for the first three weeks, at least the level of urgency that a team that is decimated with injuries needs to have. And they showed it on Sunday night, and they really saved the season. And, oh, by the way, in the less than great uh, NFC East, pole vaulted from worst to first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, look, the Steelers are a really hey, Dave, good football team. And, uh, Dave. Yeah. You know what you know what they call the guy who graduates last in medical school, don't you? A graduate of doctor. medical school. A doctor. doctor. There you go. That's yeah. right. Hey, they, they, they never ask you how. They only ask you how many. So, um, look, I, I think the Eagles are, are deserved to be um, big underdogs in this game. Pittsburgh is a solid team. I know Pittsburgh's complaining about the bye week and how they have to play 13 games. But the way the Eagles look at it, they're rested coming into Sunday. So I, I think the Eagles have to play this this kind of football, this ugly, drag them through the mud, win with your defensive line, take the football away. The Eagles produced three takeaways on Sunday. They didn't have a single takeaway in the first three weeks. So if they can get Big Ben and Pittsburgh to turn the football over, they have a chance. If not, it's going to be really hard to come back with a win. Dave, Carson Wentz obviously has been under a lot of criticism and – Deservedly so, in my opinion. I mean, he has not played well. He presses. He's fallen into some bad habits. But where do you see him? I mean, I think he's just in a unwinnable situation thus far. Well, you know, the, the weird part of this is, I think, you know, he's thrown seven interceptions, okay, which matches his total of his previous, each of his previous three seasons. I mean, it's the, the one thing that Carson's done in his career is, minimize the interceptions he's had some ball security issues in the pocket but this year and the weird part of those seven interceptions i think five or six of them have come on first down and it's just crazy so that indicates to me and last week another one where he's escaping pressure steps up in the pocket gets hit ball squirts out intercepted in san francisco territory that tells me that that's a quarterback trying to do too much it's a weak wide receiver core uh, without Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey and the number one draft pick, Jalen Rager. And I think Carson has gone away from the formula that worked last year for the Eagles down the stretch, just nickel and dime it, matriculate the football up the field, if I can borrow an old-time phrase, move the six, don't turn the football over, play small ball. And when he gets into that forcing issue, he turns the football over. I got to tell you, for the first 28 minutes of the season, in the game at Washington, he was unbelievable. Boom, down the field, ball out, escaping pressure, making great throws. Then he throws an interception just under two minutes left in the first half against Washington. And since that time, it has been an unbelievable struggle. Now, he's certainly shown some signs of coming out of that. Two weeks ago, took the Eagles down the field to tie the game with a touchdown. 
to send the game into overtime against Cincinnati. Last week, Eagles come back to win in San Francisco. So there are signs he's turning it around. He's incorporated the run game into his repertoire a little bit more here. Ten first downs accumulated in the last two weeks. Um, if he can avoid the interceptions, if he can avoid what is going to be a ferocious Pittsburgh pass rush, uh, he should have a, a chance to make some plays, but those are big ifs. Dave, what's your best guess on Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey? I would say neither will play, uh, barring a late week, you know, Regeneron uh, cure. Um, I don't see it happening. They've been limited in practice this week. Deshaun has a hamstring injury that keeps popping. Eagles want to make sure that he's all the way back. Alshon has not played since last December, has only practiced for a couple of weeks. I would say it's very much a long shot. Dave, Mike and I talked a lot in the first segment about just the brutal state that the offensive line is in for the Eagles. And correct me if I'm wrong, but even if they were to max protect, keep six or seven guys in to help that problem, then you're eliminating Ertz and Miles Sanders, who are probably their best weapons. You know, they don't have the receivers to get away with doing it. It's kind of like a catch-22 of terrible situation. Yeah, it's really it's really a um, – the Eagles have, are trying to be as creative as they possibly can to manufacture yardage, to manufacture points. Um, last week, it, look, they got a pick six, which was huge. Um, they got a running touchdown from the quarterback. They then, in the first quarter – go for two points i mean this speaks to the they were very aggressive the desperation yeah you have to be when you don't have the weapons you've got to find ways to to put points on the board so fourth and short a couple times they're going to go listen they're going to on sunday you know pittsburgh's playing a desperate team pittsburgh's playing a team that's wounded and you know what they say about wounded animals uh but this offensive line has had four different combinations through each of the four weeks they will come back intact from sunday night but their left tackle played rugby in Australia as a kid, has played, made exactly one start in his football career, much less <laughs> his NFL career. And the Steelers are going to bring everything at him. They're going to throw blitzes and tons of games, and they're going to mix everything and try to confuse him. So the Eagles really have to adjust to that tough, tough assignment for the Eagles offense. Well, let's get back to run, stop the run, Dave, because uh, as you mentioned uh, prior to the 49ers game, that was coming around. Uh, particularly, uh, we all know uh, here in Pittsburgh how good a back Joe Mixon is in Cincinnati, and the Eagles were able to smash him and then just assault uh, Joe Burrow in that tie with the Bengals. And I thought when the Niners ran the ball in a traditional style, they weren't very successful. The rushing totals were kind of bloated on that backwards pass of the flanker screen that ended up being called a lateral to Brandon Ayuk uh, that went for a 38-yard touchdown and yet the Debo Samuel uh, reverse here and there, but uh, just you know, a team lining up and giving the ball to a running back and and trying to run the way most teams do. Uh, Niners weren't real successful. I know they were a little banged up at running back too, but uh, that Eagles defense—it's not just rush the passer. They they can play the run on the way to the backfield, can't they? Mike, they have the one exception is the game against the Rams in Week Two. Eagles gave up 191 yards. Terrible performance all the way around by the defense, but generally they do a. A very fine job, and that's really the strength of this football team right now. The acquisition in free agency of Javon Hargrave adds to a deep defensive tackle group with Fletcher Cox with Malik Jackson. They've got some depth off the edge. Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat has played very well. They had Derek Barnett, former first-round draft pick, abuse Trent Williams on Sunday night. 
So they will be very aggressive. They will get up the field. They will come after you. And they should have a good battle against Pittsburgh. Um, that is, you know, look, the, the only way the Eagles are going to do this is to dominate at the D-line. And they do have a lot of talent there. They, they build their defense around the defensive line. They went out, they got Darius Slay to be the shutdown corner. So they play man on the back end. Uh, they've given up a ton of yardage and big plays to tight ends. Um, so again, if they don't harass Ben Roethlisberger, if they don't slow the run game, man, they're in trouble. And and hopefully along the way for the Eagles, they take the football from Pittsburgh two or three times. Yeah, you said a lot, a lot of good stuff there. And I agree that if the Eagles are to win this game, it's going to be on the strength of their defensive line. And that's how the defense is devised. And you pick up Slay. But other than that, the the back seven to me seems very weak. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's Avante it, Maddox, their starting cornerback, is out. Uh, they've lost Will Parks, uh, safety that they expected to be uh, a hybrid in this to, to kind of play five and six defensive backs. Um, they want to. They 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 feel that at when they were whole that they could dominate with the D line, and then mix in a lot of speed and the linebackers have been victimized. The defensive backs haven't been as good. They've moved Jalen Mills from safety to cornerback. I think that's an upgrade. Mills started for three seasons, a solid player, not a great cornerback, but a, but a good one. And so they're better there, I think, in more size than they had with uh, Avante Maddox. And I know the Steelers are deep and they're big and they're explosive at wide receiver. So that's going to be a real tough matchup. Again, it all comes down to just how much damage the defensive line can do. Dave, I got two more questions for you regarding uh, the rugby guy Jordan uh, Melata. Um, is there a chance that he's so inexperienced he really doesn't know who Bud Dupree is, so he's not especially sweating this because it's just another guy he's supposed to block? No, and no, 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 have, no, 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 no. And do you have a good story about him uh, that sort of puts into context of you know uh, what? I don't want to say he's a fish out of water because he's a big guy that can, you can see he's got some athletic skills, but uh, uh, how, how out of his element is he uh, as he learns how to do this? Yeah, he's coming around, Mike. I mean, look, he's a guy that for two years spent um, his seasons on injured reserve uh, after a couple of really impressive performances in the preseason, strictly because he's an athlete, not because he knows football. I mean, he literally, I don't think when he came from Australia to, uh, to, to Florida, to Bradenton, Florida, where the Eagles found him at the IMG Academy. I, I don't think he knew if the football was blown up or stuff. I'm, I'm not quite sure he exactly knows that yet. But, um, you know, any sort of cadence, any sort of football tech terminology, rules of the game he didn't know. Eagles took a flyer on him in the seventh round. And when you talk about athletic ability, don't, don't sell him short. He not only has a little bit of athletic ability, he has incredible athletic ability. And that's why... He's such an intriguing player for the Eagles. Now, does that translate into a high football IQ? No. At this point, no. But he's getting there. He's working it. And if they can, you know, bring all of that out in him someday, he could be a, an amazing story and a very fine offensive tackle. As far as Sunday goes, he's just going to try to wreck it. I mean, they're going to have to simple it down, get the football out of Carson's hands quickly, um, you know, help Jordan with some some chips, uh, maybe an extra tight end on that side, because everybody knows. Look, they're gonna they're gonna the, the Niners did it and they had some success running some some twists and some stunts and some just running the games at him all day long, all night long, and and it worked. Um, 
but the Eagles were able to escape. And Carson's ability to escape really helps. But, I mean, this, the Steelers are a different animal than the 49ers front. The Steelers have one of the best fronts in terms of personnel. Excellent group at linebacker. Fantastic secondary. And, oh, by the way, a scheme that brings more blitzes than any team in the league. So it'll be a real handful for the kid. And uh, But a great kid. Uh, plays a mean ukulele, can sing, uh, loves being in the NFL. <laughs> what does <laughs> he sing? Sure that means a damn thing, right? He, he sings like little island songs, man. I mean, he can do anything. He's like a, he's a, he's a joy. He's just, he's a great guy, great kid. He's a fantastic story, and hopefully, uh, you know, he holds his own on Sunday against the Steelers. Dave, that's great stuff. We really appreciate you taking some time for us tonight. I got one more question for you. This is the most important one. I saved the most yes, sir. significant for last. Has Pat Stakes survived the pandemic? Yes, Pat Stakes. The, the, the Pat's and Geno's have survived the pandemic uh, because Philadelphians cannot live without um, the cheesesteak, as you know. So, uh, yes, it, they are intact, fortunately. And, um, you know, look, in all, in all seriousness, stay safe, stay healthy, wear your masks. It'll be great to see fans in the stands on Sunday and hopefully Philadelphia We'll get some fans at some point here. So everybody stay safe out there and wear your masks. And let's get fans back in the stands in the NFL in 2020. Right back at you, Dave. Hey, thanks for the time. And uh, we'll see you on Sunday, maybe. Uh, you won't see me because I'm not traveling this year. First, Oh, first you're not traveling I, either. Yeah, I'm not no, traveling either. That's, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you'll be there in 19, spirit. Yeah, first time since 1987 that I missed Eagles, the Eagles game. The, the opener at Washington was the first time I missed a game. So in person. So uh, uh, a, a very difficult season for everybody, but just thankful that we're having a season. Yeah. Enjoy it. Uh, however you can. Dave Spadaro of uh, Eagles.com kind enough to join us tonight. When we come back, we will uh, give the ball to uh, a regular participant on the show here uh, as uh, Matt and I come at you every Thursday night. That would be the uh, incomparable Merrill Hodge, who uh, he always brings it. Sometimes I don't know what he's bringing, but I know he's going to bring it. So uh, Matt and I will uh, dial him up uh, on the other side of the upcoming break. We're going to be here till 8 o'clock tonight, so keep it here as we continue to break down Steelers-Eagles right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers preview show on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta along with Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight as we get you ready for Steelers-Eagles on Sunday at Heinz Field right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Time now to welcome in our feature back, Merrill Hodge, to the program. Merrill, a regular guest with us here on these Thursday night preview shows. Merrill, I'm not sure if you're in the Badlands of the Dakotas or uh, the mountains of New Mexico or uh, God knows where, hunting God knows what, but uh, thanks for making some time. Welcome to the show. Well, I was in the Badlands of the Bird, baby, playing playing Oakmont and a little golf this week, so I'm a good part of the country. Did you kill anything with an errant drive? Actually, no. But you know what? Actually, I, I ran into Mario Lemieux, okay? I, so I hadn't seen Mario forever, and he had glasses. He, had, he was the guy. He had glasses and hat on, and he somebody said, hey, Mario, and I'm like, Hey, and he's like, it's Mario. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Mario. Like, Mario's really, obviously, because I, I don't need to tell people what a class act Mario is, but I hadn't seen Mario in years. And I was like, in fact, I've made my whole day trip back to Pittsburgh worth it. I just have such great respect for him. He's such a class guy. So that made my, my day at Oakbaum, uh, running into Mario and saying hi to him. So it's always good to be in the bird. 
Well, Merrill, we've done this uh, a while now, and uh, there, there's a periodic theme that we keep running into. Uh, we look at one team's really shaky offensive line, and we look at a Steelers' really good defensive front, and we think, hey, that's that's the compelling matchup uh, of the game. Are we looking at that again with uh, Pittsburgh's defense and uh, Philadelphia's offense? Well, partly I do believe that, Mike, but see, it goes further than that for Philadelphia. You know, people do focus on the offensive line. Anytime a quarterback gets sacked, anytime he's not in a hurry, I mean, he gets in a hurry, it's always the offensive line. But I will tell you this, they, uh, they have issues in the back end with their backs. Their backs make a lot of mistakes, and they have such youth at the wide receiver position. They oftentimes don't react in the manner they should when a team pressures them. And then what I have really never seen from Carson, when I studied Carson Wentz when he came out of college, I watched him a couple weeks ago miss some hots. He's made he's missed throws that I've never seen him miss, and that's affected him as a player. So, you know, they got a lot of issues that they're that they're dealing with that you just don't rectify overnight. I mean, you try to you try to mask them the best you can in in each and every game, and this is a daunting one for them talking about Philadelphia because the Steelers do a lot of things that already make it hard on people that are really good at handling pressure and seeing things in a good offensive line because of the way they stunt, the way they move, and the different looks they give you. It's just it's a hard thing on a good team. So when you look at this match, I just think that that is right there, the one area that's a major concern for the Eagles coming into there. Can they remedy that? I think it will be awfully hard. They really don't have a dominant running game. The running game is nothing to – I like their back, Sanders. I mean, I really do like him as a runner, but they don't really do anything that's just really threatening to you. And so with all of that being a concern, um, I don't know how you remedy it. It's just going to be – they're not going to, quite honestly. Can they minimize some of it? Possibly. But they're never going to be able to hide it all because there's just too many glaring issues. Yeah, they have a lot of personnel issues without question, and it's obvious. I mean, the wide receivers, second tight end, the O-line's a disaster – but I also don't think that they are a real scheme-friendly offense either. It's a lot more isolation routes and things like that that probably aren't helping the causes when you're low on personnel either. Well, and there's a reason for that. you got all this inexperience, and you can be the greatest coach in the world. You can say, hey, listen, guys, we're going to do all these crazy things, and if you got guys that are just not being able to execute it and do it, then, then you're being a bad coach, quite honestly. So there's a reason for that. It's simplified because their experience is simplified. And is very inexperienced. So, you know, shoot, I, I mean, I know, I've known Peterson for a long time. He could design some of the great offense. Shoot, <laughs> go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Look at the things they create. But if you don't have experience, then you're really doing a disservice to your talent. So that's, that's what forces them to be pretty much vanilla and, and limits them right now. You know, which just adds to a lot of your problems when you're playing a a team like the Steelers and defensively what they do and how they can attack you. Merrill, uh, the Eagles calling card, clearly that defensive line, uh, you know, they need no introduction or endorsement as Mike Tomlin might say. But one of the themes people are talking about uh, this week uh, relative to the Steelers is how well Vance McDonald has been blocking. Ben Roethlisberger's talked about it. Randy Feekner, the offensive coordinators talked about it. Uh, McDonald's talked about how ever since Eric Ebron got here, even McDonald knows that Eric Ebron's the better threat to throw the ball to, so he'll be a blocker and help out that way, and he's fine doing that. Uh, are you seeing him uh, block more this year, McDonald, or just block better? 
I think a combination of both things, you know, and you kind of understand your role, which is a credit to him as a team player, you know, understand where his value is. And there's great value there. You know, remember the run that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that that was all derailed by Ebron getting destroyed at the line of scrimmage in the running game. So the tight end is a critical component in the running game. When you can move them around and you can make them guys that pull because they're more athletic, there's a lot of things you can do on the edge and the perimeter uh, against against teams and with you listen with the eagle front seven it's not necessarily the easiest thing to run at them but they have struggled with people that can get on the perimeter and the Steelers have done that they've been able to get on the perimeter um he brings that flex uh, flexibility to them um i'm glad it's getting recognized because usually that's not it doesn't go on the stats um it doesn't go on the highlight reel um but he has been a, a critical player for them and given them a lot of flexibility in the way they like to create different runs, um, he gives them options that um, a lot of teams might not have. I'm glad you guys brought up the tight ends because George Kittle put on a show against this defense last last week, and a lot of it was open and against poor linebackers. And I wonder if the better strategy is for the Steelers to use heavier personnel, 12 personnel, keep his, all those linebackers on the field, and exploit them through the pass with Ebron and McDonald? Or do you go four wide and just say Darius Slay can only guard one guy and we'll find matchups that way? Well, I can tell you this from watching the Eagles and studying them to this point. They have had problems with all packages. Yeah. And I just I don't think you ever want to be limited because they do have some problems accounting for people. Uh, that's some of the problems with the tight end. They have problems in, in man concepts, zone concepts of creating voids and making mistakes. Um, yeah, this, uh, you know, post big combination, you know, that I, you know, that's like receiver runs a post route and a dig route, an in route from the other side. I mean, I think every team's run that combination on them and they have struggled in every aspect handling that. So, I mean, that's just one concept, but what I'm getting at is they have had a lot of problems identifying people running zones together with discipline. So you better challenge all of that. You know, don't just target one area, target all of it. Target all of it, attack it all, because you can do that. The Steelers are built to do that. Yeah, to Matt's point, Merrill, uh, Kittle had 15 catches for 183 yards in the 49ers' loss to the Eagles Sunday night. He had 15 catches on 15 targets. Now, I know the guy's (laughs) good. But I mean, fifteen out of fifteen, they didn't they didn't stop at yeah. once. Falling over at the ground. Yeah. Well, um, now listen, l- let's give half of them just because he's a really good player. I mean, it'd be hard. It's hard to cover him. Period. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, he's a dynamic guy when he gets the ball in his hand. Um, and uh, a big portion of that was he's just better. He just uh, he just beat people the way he runs routes. A couple times they caught him late, and you know they don't react in the back end very well together and they don't read things together very well. That's how mistakes happen with their secondary. So I would expect the Steelers with the talent they have to really challenge all phases with that, you know, with the Ebron McDonald, but also their wide receivers, their wide receivers are really evolving. There's a lot of different phases to that passing game. It's not one phase, which makes you a championship team when you can have a lot of phases, so you don't go into this game going, let's just do one. Let's, let's try to attack them all, you know, because they're pros too. They, they work at getting, working on their weaknesses. They understand what they don't do well. They try to get better and they're going to get better. But I would expect the Steelers to try to try a variety of things that the Eagles have not done well 
and see if they've gotten any better at them. And then they have a few wrinkles that none of us have seen, you know, that they will attack with. And Merrill, you kind of alluded to the the Steelers offense, how they can play it any way you want and attacking a variety of ways. I don't know if there's many teams that can use eight, nine, ten different skill guys on offense and create all the different packages that they can throw out there personnel-wise from big and heavy to four wide, I mean, and everything in between. Yeah, well, I think this team is really has the chance to be really special later. They're not special now. They have a chance to be mm-hmm. there um, based on what you've just said offensively. Um, if they continue to develop all those different looks and ways, because at the end of the day, you know, you, people always debate about, you know, how you win a championship. You know, here's what I know. These two things are true. Teams win championships. And the more phases that you have to your team in ways you can be successful, the better chances you have of winning. That's why other people are like, you don't have to run the football anymore. That is 100% garbage. And you, Dallas Cowboys lead the NFL in, pass, in throwing the football. Okay, You can argue that their one win was a fluke. Okay, It's, it's an onside debacle. Um, so that one phase, but they can't run the football. They struggle with that phase. Um, when you lack phases to your team, or what you're talking about is the more phases that you can be really good at that you have to defend and that I can deploy at any time, gives me a significant chance the NFL to be successful consistently. Without that, it is very hard. You can be dynamic as you want in one phase, and at some point it might catch you. Ask the Patriots about that um, when they went 18, 19-0, and they walk in the Super Bowl, and they lose the one that mattered. They had no running game. They had nothing to complement that phase that they were still good at. Merrill, we've got about uh, a minute and a half left. Uh, you mentioned the Steelers can be special. What are they not doing now that they're going to do eventually that will help make them that? Well, listen, the back end, they still got to get better defensively. They, you know, they, they've done some things zone-wise. They made some mistakes. Guys lack discipline, jumping out of coverage, jumping on things. That, that, that can be fixable. Um, they got some guys in man coverage that get targeted, and they give up big plays. They're third down, long hardy situations have not been as good as that can be. So defensively, they got to get better in that area. And offensively, it's really about just developing and evolving because they have all these different ways and different people in the, on the perimeter in the passing game that can be really dynamic, really getting that to where there's a great chemistry. And that's just about playing the more you play. And, they keep, and, and the way they run the football, the different ways they run it, the scheme of it, that's still being the foundation of something you can trust every Sunday, knowing that we walk in and if we're derailed, the things are struggling – we can reset ourselves with that, knowing that that's going to be a cornerstone for you and having trust and faith in that. If they do those things. I mean, that's just, they are going to be dangerous. They're going to be very dangerous when it matters, and that's around December. Mel, really appreciate it. I uh, hope we're talking about uh, them becoming an even more dangerous team at this time next week. Uh, by the way, where'd you shoot at Oakmont today? Actually, I shot an 85 which is my best wow. ever in Oakmont. And I, and I took an eight on number five because I'm a moron. I don't understand golf, and I could have taken a drop when I was in the ditch, but I tried to get out of it, so I cost myself three strokes. So, Hey, 85 is not bad, brother. Uh, the thanks for the shoot. time. We'll talk to you next week. All right, boys. Have a good night. That was Merrill Hodge, and uh, that's going to do it for our program tonight. Thanks to Merrill for joining us, as he uh, invariably does. Thanks to Dave Spadaro of Eagles.com for 
being uh, our guest uh, from uh, the other side tonight, the other side of the matchup. Uh, thanks to Tom behind the glass, keeping things running back in the studio. Thanks to my weekly partner, Matt Williamson. And thanks to you for finding us. We're going to do it again next week. Until then, you've been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. For Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. Good night, everyone.